All right, Tuesday, February 20th. It feels like it's almost March. Today we have Steve Greenfield uh, on with us today talking about the government being a little less electric, triple incentives, and the end of free shipping? Maybe? I think it'll be the end. Steve, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Paul, always nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great. Hey, I just want to let everybody know before we get into the show that um, tomorrow... We are hosting um, our next Asodu Edge webinar. It is a quick shot webinar. That's how we do them, 25 minutes-ish. It feels a lot more like a conversation. We're gonna be with our friends at Upstart Auto Retail. They're gonna be sharing the results of a 100 dealer survey that they recently did. So uh, Keyshawn Batts, head of customer success, is gonna take us through the insights and um, we're gonna answer some questions, have a little bit of fun. So you can go to asodu.com, just scroll up a little bit and you'll see that you can sign up for that webinar for free, have you in and out and uh, learn a little something along the way. So uh, that's where we're gonna go. But um, Steve, you have places to be today. And uh, <laughs> so we're just gonna try to get right into the news. Um, but I wanna ask you first, it's been a while. Actually, we haven't seen, did we see each other at NADA? I can't ever remember. I don't even think I saw you guys there. I don't think so either. Yeah. I'm just realizing. It was realizing. a blur. It was a blur, yeah. I, I told everybody I feel like I missed the show. Right, yeah. yeah. I missed the show because we were running around so much. But but what, what was your highlight takeaway from NADA? Um, it was great. I mean, I think I think dealers are still off, very optimistic. I mean, it's still going to be a really good year, probably not quite as much from, from a profitability standpoint, but mm-hmm. I think dealers are very optimistic and very positive. And, you know, I think the amazing thing, Paul, you know, you know, I've talked about this is like, you know, I felt like during COVID, the franchise dealer model was under attack, right, mm-hmm. from various angles. And I think if anything, it's just amazing uh, after 25 years in this industry to, to just c- continue to see how durable and defensible the franchise dealer model is. And, you know, now we're seeing VinFast and Fisker and others saying, oh, we were going to sell directly, but we've reconsidered. Yeah. We're going to actually resell cars through dealers. And uh, it's a testament, like this, this, this model works. It's been proven to work for a hundred years or more. Mm-hmm. And it will, will continue to work. So we never want to rest on our laurel, laurels and stick our head under the sand, right? Right. Mix my metaphors. But at the same time, it's amazing. If, if ever there was going to be an attack on the franchise model, it was through OEMs and direct selling during COVID. And, you know, I think that dealers rightfully so feel pretty confident now that they have the right model. Uh, it's a very profitable, durable, defensible model. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, I think that's good news for everybody, but I think it's, it's, uh, insightful and true i just imagine like every time the ball gets hit over the net the dealership model just you know smacks it back across and right, I, I, right. I think i think of some of the the challenges that a lot of companies had keeping uh like employees in the building keeping employees engaged hiring the right people and we didn't have that issue at all in automotive right like at yeah. all very true very very true yeah if anything the opposite right everything before covid was all around turnover and retention right. etc Right. And, uh, you know, at this point, I think partially thanks to what you guys are doing, you know, brick by brick, you're laying the foundation to, to ensure that, you know, a future generation of employee knows that this, this is actually a really good industry to get your, your teeth cut in. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of upside opportunities in this industry. I think it's a place to, I'm reading a book right now called Full Time by an economist named David Bonson. And um, he talks about the declining participation rate in the workforce. And he ties that directly to people feeling a sense of purpose and meaning in work. And um, I think in automotive, like, again, what we're trying to do with more than cars is to, to like, just provide people a pathway to find more meaning in what they do. And I think the automotive industry is just such a clear place that you can bring meaning and value into people's lives that work at dealerships and in the products and services you offer and sell. So uh, I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's easy to just dismiss the industry and say, all we're doing is selling cars, or right? all, all we're doing is servicing cars. But you think about people need transportation to go to work, to feed their families. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, th th this is why this business model is so essential to the U.S. economy, but also it's just so so defensible because people need transportation to live. And we're providing that as an industry. So it's, it's very important. And if people realize that, they can align with that and feel a great sense of purpose in their day-to-day -day work. Full agree, full agree. Well, let's talk about um, how, how we're gonna deliver that transportation, what it even looks like. It's looking like 2030 might not be as electric as the government once said, as the Biden administration is planning to relax its ambitious EV transition goals. Um, and here's why the pace is slowing down. So the EPA is going to reduce the speed of proposed yearly emissions requirements through 20. 30 making evs now uh having to require less or occupy less than 60 percent of total production as opposed to their initial higher target uh, which was a little later 67 percent by 2032 so it's not really an apples to apples according to the article um automakers dealers even get this we're partnering up now with the uaw to argue that ev technology costs and infrastructure development uh, need some more time prompting the reevaluation john bazella of the alliance for automotive innovation is emphasizing the importance of allowing the market supply chains and public charging infrastructure to develop to support the ev shift and and they propose 40 to 50 percent by 2030 might be even like more realistic according to demand and infrastructure uh we have to mention that current production sits at about 8%. So there, there's a long way to go between 8% and 60%. Uh, what, is, what is your feeling on this and just generally the sentiment and market dynamics? Well, look, I mean, it's tough being a politician and say that in an election year is a, is a lot, <laughs> but uh, trying to anticipate what consumer demand is actually going to be mm -hmm. with what's, what's, what is right for the environment, because there's a lot of debate around that. Then you've got, you know, the, the Chinese element with you know, most of the minerals are coming out of uh, out of China for the foreseeable future overall. And you're trying to navigate all of this. And, you know, it'd be great to wave a magic wand and say, we're going to go 100% to electric and everyone will be happy. The consumer will be happy. We'll have independence from China. You know, both political parties will be happy, et cetera. But, you know, as dealers have written to, to Biden, the demand just isn't there. As you said, we're, we're hovering around 8%. And it's not growing too much. The, the, the pace of acceleration of growth is slowing down. And, you know, the, the U.S. government, I think, is looking at this and saying, OK, well, while, while it might be nice to flip over from ICE vehicles to EV, um, it's just like it's not not that easy a path. So mm -hmm. they're backing off and we'll, we'll see how much they back off this year. The big unknown is, you know, it being uh, an election year, what ha what happens right after November, right. Uh, depending on who, who's in the White House and does the IRA actually withstand that? Or does it start to get dismantled? And without, you know, consumer-facing tax credits, I do wonder what natural demand is for EVs. You know, there's uh, in your weekly um, insights report. If you don't, if you don't get it, go to automotiveventures.com, and you should be on this email list. It's a great uh, just digest of all the things going on. Um, in the industry, you, you posted two articles in there. One is about EV incentives, new EV incentives tripling um, in some cases. So is this just an indicator that like consumers don't don't really want the EVs and so manufacturers are just trying to respond in kind? Well, it's funny, you, you mentioned that. I, I was sitting at an idea at a dinner with a BMW store out near San Francisco and um, you know he, he sells 40% of new BMWs at a store are EVs, mm. yet he said, um, I can't make any front end gross on, on them. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. So let me reconcile that. So for you, you have demand for EVs in your local market. He said, yes, but you can't make any profit on them. He said, no, I can't make any front end gross 
already on EVs, despite the demand. And I think that's only going to get worse, right? So we're, 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 what we're seeing is just an oversupply situation. There will be more EVs. There already are. You look at day supply. There are more EVs on the lot than demand. That's going to get worse because a lot of these legacy automakers are building new new models of EVs and they've already pre-committed to those volumes. So we're going to see an oversupply situation that grows over the course of the year. And th those incentives, which now, yeah, they've tripled, are just going to get higher. It's going to be a really good time to buy an EV if you're a consumer. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's going to be really challenging for dealers because they're going to start looking for OEM support to say, look, what are you doing? We see already that you know there's a 60% um, um, lease penetration on EVs. So 60% of all EVs that are non-Teslas are being leased right now because of the loophole in the IRA. Mm -hmm. um, so so can all of those cars get the $7,500 tax incentive. But I think it's going to be tough to sell despite that because we're going to continue to be oversupplied this year. It's interesting. Uh, you also posted another article um, in that Insights report that talks about even California's EV sales dropped substantially in Q4. And that's the first time EV sales have dropped in California in a decade or probably since the, the modern EV era. Um, is that that's just seems like a further indication that like everything's slowing down. Interesting that the BMW dealer, 40% of their new car sales are EVs. That's really surprising to me. I didn't expect it. I mean, I guess BMW, um, you know, a, a smaller brand that's been able to lean in heavier. Um, but, but even so, that's very surprising, 40%. Yeah, it's very, very surprising. And if you talk to like, you know, Mercedes Benz and BMW dealers, even in softer EV markets, they're still getting forced to take EV inventory, mm -hmm. uh, even if there isn't demand. So it's, it's going to be an interesting year. I'm not going to say ugly yet. I might say ugly by halfway through the right. year, but it's going to be an interesting year because inventories will mount. We know that the, the dealers are going to say, like, give me some relief. And the OEMs are going to have to come in over the top with increasing incentives. And we're going to see like significant incentives for some of these EV models. It's unbelievable to me how difficult it is to find news in the auto industry. Because, you know, you and I, every <laughs> morning, we scour the news. We look at a bunch of different sources, not just the auto stuff, but all the other stuff. And it is near impossible to find one in 10 articles that isn't about EV. Yeah. And well, it's amazing, you know, that the articles that I clip every, every week, I'm amazed at how often now these these dynamics, both EVs and also the, the threat of Chinese, is yes. it like big big newspapers outside of auto, like New York Times, Absolutely. Washington Post, Reuters, LA, yeah. LA Times, Reuters, Bloomberg. I mean, they're all covering this stuff now because yeah, you, you can't get away from it. The average person on the street is is reading this because no matter where they consume their news, they're they're, they're getting this news and they're reading about EVs and the Chinese threat and all all, all these dynamics mm -hmm. that typically we would be pretty insulated reading ourselves but you know the, the person on the street now you, you get into an uber and ask the uber driver and they have an opinion because they've been reading the same news that we're reading it's funny that that like the the conversation about you know chinese evs and this international trade and like the big threat the the crazy part about it is is like but it's a product that nobody wants right now right and so it's like this massive hype machine and this like impending doom over something that consumers are like we don't want to buy those so i mean it'll be interesting to see how this plays out this year but yes it is definitely part of uh pop culture and kind of like everyday life for people who just read the, well, the news Paul, the, 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 the one caveat i would say is it, uh, there, there isn't that much demand at the price point that we've seen right if we can get a sub twenty thousand dollar ev i think we're going to see actually you're going to unlock a whole different yep. type of buyer and you know imagine those cars when they come back used and you can have a good quality used 
used EV at 10 grand. I mean, we, 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 we have yet to unlock that segment and it's, it's uncertain. No, nobody knows how big that segment's going to be, but right. I think we're about to see what the sort of $20,000 EV buyer demand is. And it'll be, you know, the infrastructure challenge is still, I mean, it'll just exacerbate if all of a sudden there's a sub $20,000 EV and people start saying, hey, this makes economically viable sense for me to buy this car, but overall cost of ownership or convenience of ownership isn't realized until after the purchase. Um, I think we could we could be in for a, a real a real awakening if we get to the sub 20,000, see what the market is, and then see what the infrastructure can actually sustain. Well, the other, the other big news last week was, you know, Stellantis was the last OEM to embrace the Tesla standard yep. for EVs. And while they don't really have any EVs yet, they're, they're going to have EVs. And um, you know what we're gonna see is we're gonna see these Tesla supercharger stations overwhelmed with non-Tesla vehicles. And what's, what's that gonna do to the Tesla buyer's experience? Abs- like, it's gonna well, crush it. Yeah, so is Tesla gonna start charging more for non-Tesla vehicles? Probably. Mm-hmm. Could, they thro- could they throttle the speed of charging? For non-Tesla buyers, I wouldn't put it past. I mean, but I, I still yeah. don't. Th- I still don't think that that's going to help the Tesla experience. If all of a no, sudden that person's got to park there for an hour, <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. yeah, <laughs> it'd be. Yeah. I, I rented. Um, I rented uh, an EV when I was in Orlando last week, and I it was the cheapest car to rent via Avis, forty five dollars a day, and they ended up putting me in a Ford Mach E, which I really enjoyed driving. I refuse to call it a Mustang because it's not. Um, right. But but I was I was at a Wawa convenience store and they have Tesla superchargers out back and I didn't need to charge it. But I, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just charge it to like get the experience. And then I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't have a Tesla. I'm not going to face the shame of going to the Tesla. Yeah, right, it's right, like walking yeah. into the Apple store with an Android phone and asking for right, something. Right. So I yeah. just decided not to do it instead. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the dirty looks you get? Oh, it would have been terrible, especially <laughs> as I was figuring out, like, how do I pay for this? Because in a Tesla, it's just integrated with the app. You just pull up, plug it in, and you go. I have no idea how you charge a Ford at a Tesla station. Agreed, agreed. Oh, yeah. well, thanks for being with us today. You have uh, places to go. We have things to do. Um, we're going to see you back on Thursday. Thanks for joining us again. But um, until then, get out there, serve some customers, love some people more than you love cars, and we'll see you here right tomorrow morning. <laughs>